This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Not only have I been the owner of Mint Mobile for the last few years, I've also been a customer. I don't know if you knew this, but anyone can get the same premium wireless for $15 a month plan that I've been enjoying. It's not just for celebrities, so do like I did and have one of your assistant's assistants switch you to Mint Mobile today. I'm told it's super easy to do at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little... Or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little... Or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow-detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Empowered and Unapologetic is part of the Practice of the Practice Podcast Network, a family of podcasts that change the world. To hear other podcasts like the Bomb Mom Podcast, Beta Male Revolution, or Imperfect Thriving, go to practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Have you ever thought, how did I manage to lose myself? Being a mom is so hard, especially when we're feeling stressed and disconnected. We exhaust ourselves trying to create this perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your marriage and your kids without the stress perfectionism brings. I am going to teach you how to identify 
who you are outside of all of the roles you play. Hi, I'm Veronica Cisneros. I'm a wife, mother of three, and a licensed marriage and family therapist. I am on a mission to teach women just like you how to become empowered and unapologetic. Welcome to our girl gang. Hey ladies, I'm Veronica. I'm your host for Empowered and Unapologetic. Welcome back. This is a three-part series. Our last episode with Dr. Lene, we discussed how to have the talk with our children about sex. She also taught us how to shift our mindsets so we feel confident with this discussion. In this episode, we're going to take things a little further because I thought, why not talk about sex and women? Most of us shy away from this topic and feel insecure when having this discussion with others. We usually make jokes and giggle whenever we share stories or use certain words. Most of the time, we feel embarrassed. This is unfortunate because it's something we all enjoy, so why is this so taboo? I wanted to welcome back Dr. Lene St. John because I feel like sex has been in some ways vilified. It's a conversation women are not necessarily supposed to have, yet most of us are extremely curious. So mm-hmm. how am I going to have this open conversation with the one who needs it the most, you guys? So I thought, aha, why not do it in the podcast? So ladies, <laughs> I'm going to ask all the questions for you and it'll be our little secret. So welcome back, Dr. Lene. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun, right? We're going to totally take it another level. So ladies, if you missed it, our last episode, we talked about really important things and we discovered so much about how our past really has kind of impacted or kind of disabled us from being able to have conversations with our kids. Mm-hmm. And... Dr. Lene is going to take us one step further. So we're just going to jump right in. I'm going to ask all this, all the questions that I'm like, I've been back and forth about. And it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really going to say this out loud. And so there's been a little bit, <laughs> right? There's Do been it. a little bit of nerves coming on for me. So we're just going to tackle sure. it. Sure. So let me ask you the first question straight off the bat. Why are we so afraid to talk about sex? We all enjoy it. It's something we all do. So like, why are we so afraid? Yeah, it is a topic that along with a lot of topics that relate to female sexuality, even in particular, is it's like there's an international gag order on this topic, (laughs) right? I mean... Because it's it's not I mean it's not just women right it's it's men as well uh, you know certainly it's just it's it's been uncomfortable because there's been a lot of religion tied to mm-hmm. it and sort of non science tied to it and emotion and all kinds of things and and to be honest and I've been reflecting even since our last conversation that when we allow ourselves to get wrapped up in the emotion of talking about sex, then we're not able to really think about things rationally, logically, or even allow ourselves to tap into the intuition that we naturally have about this topic. There are severe, serious ramifications about not being able to talk about this stuff. Uh, If you're not able to talk about the health 
of your genitals, that has ramifications. If you're not able to talk about consent and respect and pleasure, that has ramifications. <laughs> those all have those all have serious impact on us, you know, being able to move forward. Absolutely. And can you can you further explain like what are the ramifications? Like what are the consequences of us not sure. being able to to take this on? Sure. So, I mean, you could you could take ramifications for each of those five building blocks in the book that I wrote. Um, the five building blocks were communication, consent, respect, pleasure, and fantasy. And mm-hmm. even if you, you know, so my phone just burped <laughs> on the table. <laughs> um, even if you, uh, <laughs> I was going to use a different word, but <laughs> so, I mean, even if you look at one of the, each of those blocks, um, a failure to communicate, you know, that has ramifications in not being able to get what you want, ask for what you want to be able to share your emotion, whatever you, whatever you desire, right? Like not being able to communicate has, has a lot of problems and it's not just from a sexuality standpoint. I'm going to go on a little tangent here and share a question that was asked of me on Quora. It was like, has there, is there anything that you would be embarrassed about if you had a, a if you had a son, what would you be embarrassed about if they were 15 years old and they couldn't do something? And, uh, I thought about it for a while and I was like, I would be embarrassed, I guess, if they, if they couldn't hold a conversation with an adult, like a, like a decent conversation with an adult and even worse, if they couldn't talk to their peers. Right. Mm -hmm. So communication moves with us (laughs) throughout our lives. And hopefully, as children, we've been encouraged to have our voice and to, to share our voice. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the age of children should be seen and not heard. And mm-hmm. that still has ramifications in my professional life, because especially talking about sex, like there are times when I think, oh, certainly I shouldn't be talking about this. And, and you know, that whole shouldn't be being seen and not heard is, is like, yeah, it runs through a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could you could take any of the any of the building blocks. Consent, problems with consent, or the absence of it. Like we see what that looks like, and you can do that with any of the blocks. You know, I appreciate you saying confidence and consent, because as women, mm-hmm. there are plenty of times when we might be flirted with by someone and mm-hmm. not necessarily know how to set a boundary, mm. or you know, we might be. Um, what is the word? We might be like enticed or I don't want, it's not enticed. Mm. We might be um, persuaded to go ahead and have sex or make out when we necessarily don't want to, Mm, or, or the, or the other side, you know, we might want to go ahead and, you know, initiate sex with our partners. We want, we might Mm -hmm. want to initiate, you know, that kiss or, Mm -hmm. or just that level of intimacy, but there's just so much fear with saying no, Mm-hmm. And even a greater amount of fear with saying yes. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this and I recognize, you know, what I'm bringing up, you know, and in, in our, in two episodes after this, we will be talking about rape and I, I have a, a therapist mm-hmm. that we will be discussing that with, mm-hmm. but I, I just want, I just want to make that clear. Like there's, there's no power in our voice unless we are yeah. educated 
Yeah. Unless we're able to go ahead and assert ourselves and set some healthy boundaries. Yeah. We don't have that power we, because we don't have that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And the fear that you mentioned, the fear of saying no is absolutely real for the reasons that, you know, you'll get to in a, in a couple episodes, but there's also fear because there's, we know of the incidences where people say no and they have, they are, mm-hmm. there's violence against them. Right. Um, so, so definitely that, that aspect of, of the fear is real. Um, the piece about wanting to say yes and the fear of judgment around that, I think a big portion of that comes from the socialization that we need to be desirable to everyone. Yes. Um, and that we feel like we're going to be judged. And I think probably one of the biggest aha moments I had in being an adult who went back to school to study sexuality and also went through a divorce and, and was dating, I got to learn firsthand that I didn't need to be appealing to everyone. It only mattered that I was appealing to the one that I was you know, with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, there's another peer of mine who talks a lot about dating your species. And what he suggests is that you try to scare people off instead of trying to attract everyone and be interesting to everyone and, and curtailing a lot of your own natural instincts and urges and, and interests, uh, to, to appeal to everybody instead to try to repel people. And the people that stay with you are your people. Those are the people that you, (laughs) that you should stick with (laughs) because they're going to probably be with you through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my own experience of that was a hundred percent. That is exactly what, uh, what I experienced because, you know, I dated someone who was very jealous and I have one instance where somebody across a bar waiting for a drink smiled at me and I smiled back and my date left me at the bar. Got so oh, upset my. because I smiled to somebody else. Yeah. That was, you no, know, it's hugely problematic. Um, so, so yeah, so there's, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> we anyway, were talking about that level of confidence in being able yeah. to go ahead and, and say yes to pleasure, say yes to yeah. the moment. And being partnered with somebody who would be angry that you smile at somebody like that's, I mean, there's, there, there's some issues there <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> and they're not yours. <laughs> Ex- yes. Yes. <laughs> And so I, I think this is where confidence ties in, being uh-huh. able to go out and not personalize that moment. Yeah. You know, this is not mine. This is his. I'm not going to go out and drink the poison. Um, yeah. You know, but if you can, if you can further discuss, okay, so like even with my partner and we're going to, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about couples, uh-huh. but like, I find that women are so afraid to initiate sex. I find yeah. that women are so afraid to have sex with the lights on and yeah. afraid to explore their bodies and feel sexual and, and like be in the moment and take advantage of it. They're more of, okay, well, we only do these two steps and mm-hmm. these two positions. And this is where mm-hmm. I stay because yeah. if I even move a certain way, then my husband's going to think I've been sleeping around. Or if I even suggest, Yikes. Them, right? <laughs> Yikes. Right? Right? Or if I yeah. even suggest, you know, 
why don't we try this? Because, you know, I either seen it somewhere or I heard from my friend. I don't want my husband to think, okay, now I'm addicted to porn. You Mm -hmm. know, we tend Mm -hmm. to catastrophize things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely do. You know, I noticed something in the last year that, um, that, that's, that pops up for me every so often. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit that as I've hit middle age here, my body has changed quite a bit. And I started to notice that the, the physical ideal or this, this ideal that we have in American culture, that you need to look a certain way or have a certain body shape or body type, that body type is my 16 year old daughter. Mm. And that's creepy, as, mm-hmm. you know, creepy AF, you know, to idolize that as something, a middle-aged woman, or even, you know, any, any woman who has become a mother, your body changes. Oh, why God, do yeah. we, why do we hold this ideal uh, or ho- hold that particular shape and body type as ideal? I mean, it's, it calls into question a whole lot of things. Around, of course. Of <laughs> you course. Know? And, and I started to think more about, even this morning on my walk, I was musing about, you know, why don't we, if we, if we have to idolize a body, why don't we idolize the bodies that have experience, the mothers, the, the, the mother body, or even the crone body, right? Because mm-hmm. there, there's wisdom, there's experience that all of that is valuable and, and, and worthy of, of love and adoration. But for whatever reason, we keep this, we keep this ideal as a very virginal, young, skinny thing. It's kind of weird if you think about it. The majority of people over, over 30, you know, don't really look at that, look like that anymore. No, no, no. It takes a lot of work. It takes no a shame whole to those people who have actually put in a lot of work and, and maintained. Yes. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> but I, and I think that's, that's no reason. That is no reason for us to keep ourselves from sharing this intimate moment with yeah. our partners, from being able to go ahead and find yeah. pleasure, you know, yeah. and, and yet there's this restriction. I'm not good enough. My body doesn't look good enough and yeah. I don't yeah. want to be judged. Right. And Judgment. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, ladies, he's with you. It's happening. You guys are in the moment. I highly doubt he is going to say no to you finding pleasure in this moment. He's if just excited anything, you're naked. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's excited you picked him and it's about to happen. Yeah. He's excited that it's not his birthday and this is the only time it's happening. <laughs> you know? He's yep. excited to be a part of it and be a part an active participant active in it. Participant. Well, and I do have a suggestion for those who who are wanting to have the lights off. Um Put a blindfold on him. Mm-hmm. Put the Absolutely. blindfold on him. See, so then, if your judgment is about him, if your if your perception is that he will judge you for your body, put a blindfold on him, and yeah. you do you, and just Absolutely. you know dance like nobody's watching because nobody's, <laughs> nobody's watching. able to see you. <laughs> how so? How do we do that? How do we, because even right now, as you're saying this, I can hear so many women going, oh my God, he's going to touch that big old flab that's right there. Or he's going to touch my thigh fat. Like I can hear women actually saying this right now in my head. And so 
how do we get past that? How can we just stay there? Because this is a beautiful moment between you and your partner, right? And how can we get out of our own heads? Okay. So this one, as I'm thinking about it, it's probably not going to come out totally right, but I think hopefully you can, (laughs) you can help me get this one. Um, Yes. I hear you. Those are thoughts I've had about my own body as well. My daughter's are teenagers and we, you know, we'll sit and watch a movie and we'll cuddle and we'll snuggle. And when my daughters were younger, they would, you know, kind of press on my belly and, and, you know, the fleshy areas of my body and, and say how much they loved the squish. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you, if you think about squishy toys, right, like they're so fun to just squeeze and, <laughs> and, but there's no, there's no hate or frustration or whatever toward it. It's like, you just, oh, you just love squishing the thing. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that with things that are hard, mm-hmm. right? You don't really squish. You know, I, I don't know. So, and the other thing too is I used to have students who would get really upset about having a FUPA, which is mm-hmm. an acronym for fat upper pussy area, right? Mm-hmm. It's the mons mm-hmm. pubis. If you are a little fleshier there, it's, you know, it's, it's fleshy, mm-hmm. but I can't remember who said this to me, but it might've been my partner, but <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's better to have like a little padding there instead of mm-hmm. bone, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't, can't be fun to run up against bone all the time. <laughs> so it's, it is a bit of a mind shift set, uh, a mind, mindset shift that, you know, thinking about these things as lush and, you know, voluptuous, healthy, uh, yeah, zefty. I don't know. Like some of those words have, have a negative connotation, but I actually think that if, you know, if we can embrace them more and think, you know, this is, this is a person who has experience and, and, you know, life. And I don't, I don't know, just words that pop into my head are, are kind of cheesy. It seems. <laughs> I can understand what you're saying. So I think, and I think with all bodies, right. You know, yeah. with, with all bodies, you know, if we're a little extra fluffier, if we're not mm-hmm. so fluffy and we're tight and toned, yeah. you know, wherever you're at, yeah, your body is your body. And yeah. being able to go ahead and really challenge yourself, like, this is mine. This is my body. I've worked hard for it in whatever ways, in whatever capacity, you know, and I get to, it it gets to receive pleasure. Yeah. It gets to receive pleasure, whatever that looks like. And on your own terms, bingo on my own terms. And I think this is where we might even need to, you know, dare I say, stand in front of the mirror, but naked, right? And no, that actually is an exercise that I do. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I, I do it with my, well, I don't do it with my clients, but I encourage my, like I encourage my, yeah. my clients in my private practice and the clients yeah. that I coach, I encourage them to stand in front of the mirror naked, yeah. lock the door because I know you don't want anybody to walk in, but yeah. just stand there. And I want you to go ahead and comment on how beautiful your body is and yeah. how hard, how, how much how many issues it's taken you, how, how, how many fights, how many obstacles it's helped you, helped you overcome. You know, I've, I did that exercise with my kids when they were, it was right when I went back to study sexuality, because that is an exercise that we did at school where we, um, 
I think people in class did it with underwear. I don't remember how many people did it naked, but um, you were instructed to stand in front of the mirror and identify three parts of your body that you like. Don't talk about the negative, right? They do this in the movie Mean Girls mm-hmm. where they, you know, they stand in front of the mirror and, oh, I've got weird hairline and you're just picking up all these negative things about their body. Focus on the three things that you do like. And so I even wrote a blog post about this. I did this with my kids and, you know, I, I took this, you know, I had like a cheerleader voice, let's do this thing. And they were really young. I want to say they were like maybe three and five or four and six. They were really young. Mm-hmm. And so it was bath night. We did this, stood in the front of the mirror named our three parts. I named mine. And and then I had my oldest do it. And I think she said her hair, her eyes and her smile or something like those were her three. And then my, my other daughter said my breasts, my butt and my private parts. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and, and I noticed that having them do that exercise, even when they were young, little, little tiny cherub bodies, it has had a positive impact on them all these years later, mm-hmm. they can look in the mirror and find the things in them that are beautiful. And they yeah. can, you know, look in the mirror and, you know, without sounding haughty or, or conceited, you know, I'll catch my, my youngest who will just, you know, she'll walk by a mirror and she'll look, she'll like, to, she'll like kind of give herself a smile and be like, I look good today. Like yeah. I could never do that. <laughs> Even as an adult, like I don't, think like that. And there's nothing wrong with teaching our daughters to, or, or sons or, or non-binary children to love themselves and to be accepting of, of how they look. Cause it's going to have an impact later when they're adults interacting sexually with others. Absolutely. Ladies, I want <laughs> you to do this exercise right now. If you're home, go upstairs right and go now. to your bathroom, do it right now. If you're at the gym, I know they have mirrors in there, maybe not naked, maybe in your sports bra and underwear, wherever you feel comfortable. I want you to go ahead and do this exercise because I think it's so important. And I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't done it with my daughters. I haven't. I mean, we've talked about our bodies and we've had this discussion, but we've never done it in the mirror. And I kid you not, we're going to do it because we're going to go in the pool after this. So we are definitely going to do it in our bikinis. Yeah. I have a 17, a nine and a 13 year old. Perfect. So yeah, Perfect we're going to, we're, we're doing it. So <laughs> now let's go ahead and take it to this next step. Mm-hmm. How do we become more sexual, more sexually experienced when we weren't taught? And and dare I say, how do we learn how to give blowjobs? Yes, I said it, girls. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said it. <laughs> How do we learn how to masturbate? Yes, I said that word too. How do we learn how to have sex and try new sexual positions when my my mom my mom would kill me if I ever asked her mom, can you teach me? You know, can you at least show me where I can? You know, how I can be aroused or how I can? Oh my god, I'm not even gonna finish that sentence because if (laughs) my mom will kill me, my mom listens to this. (laughs) But it's just so. Let's talk about that, like. Where do we learn how to become more sexual and more sexually experienced? Because when I hear this, it's like, oh, well, you know, well, the only people that are sexually experienced are people that have slept around, yeah. you know, and if you're not sexually experienced, yeah. well, it's because you've been to this innocent young lady and that's what we want. Yeah. But when you're with your husband, it's like, okay, wait a minute, there has to be more to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it calls into question the word experience right? Yes. Is it, are we prioritizing experience 
as partnered experience or are we prioritizing experience as me knowing what feels good in my body? Because if I know what feels good in my body to me, that's going to, that's going to help me instruct my partner. Right. Beautiful. And if, if, and, and, you know, presuming that you're in a partnership that this feels, you know, sharing this kind of stuff feels safe. Hopefully you are. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also your partner then can share their experience of what works for them. Because I think so much of the experience conversation goes with assuming, you know, what to do at all times. And that's not the case. Um, you know, being able to find someone that you can try things with is important. So maybe neither one of you knows how to do a thing and that's totally fine because if you're with somebody that you want to explore with, you know, sex itself is funny and you get a chance to do something fun and, and funny at the same time. And if you, you know, make a funny noise in the middle of it, you can laugh about it because it's mm-hmm. funny. It's not like you don't have to be embarrassed about it because it just is, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, so- the experience piece is the, is the word that I think we get, uh, we get tied up on. Okay. I love that you, I love that you, um, separated the two and you were able to talk, you know, talk about both of them because they are extremely different. Mm -hmm. How, so how do we, how do we go out and learn how to do these things? You know, in your book, you mentioned most, especially most girls are looking at porn because their parents won't talk to them, Yeah, you know, and I'm going to tell you right now, adults, women do the same thing because it's like, well, how am I going to learn? And I've even, I've even heard of women saying, well, I don't want to practice it on my partner. So do I have to practice it on somebody else? Because I want to make sure that when I'm with my partner, you know, I know what I'm doing and I want to please him. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Something mm-hmm. got blurred here. Something, mm-hmm. Something's not connecting. Mm-hmm. So how do we find out how to do these things? What is a healthy way of us seeking this education? So yeah, these are, these are definitely things that you can talk to a sex coach about mm-hmm. um, because they're there are, I mean, there's plenty of porn out there, but not all of it's good. So, you know, uh, the analogy is getting kind of worn now within the sex educator circles, but, uh, you know, you don't learn how to drive by watching Fast and the Furious movies. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. uh, I mean, you can learn how to cook from watching, you know, the Food Network, but there's something different when you actually have to apply it, right? Mm-hmm. So the the idea that they don't want to practice on their partner would make me ask, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, is it because you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing? You know, in, in a culture that idolizes virginity. Innocence. Okay. But but who is it for? Is it for you to feel like you know what you're doing or is it for your partner's enhanced pleasure? And wouldn't your partner's enhanced pleasure be, wouldn't achieving that be done better by asking and practicing on them? Like what, how does, how does this feel? You know, do you like this? Like practicing all kinds of things. You can, you can approach it as if you were a scientist exploring a new you know, part of the body, right? Like, Absolutely. okay, like how does, you know, tickling underneath the the balls near the, their, the perineum, like, does this, how do you feel like, or how does this feel? Mm-hmm. You know, 
um, the base of the shaft where the shaft meets the, the testicles, like, or the, the scrotum, what, what does this feel like to you? You know, and exploring the different, there's, there's so many things that you can explore on a penis with your hands and with your mouth and like just being able to do that with your partner and, and do it playfully, not with the goal of orgasm being the goal. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with having him do some of the work <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> to join you Absolutely. in, you know, moving your, his hand while you do things with your hands and your mouth. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways that you can do that. It doesn't have to be the performative act that we see in porn. Bingo. You just hit it. You just nailed it right there. I think, I think most women are under the impression that they have to be this porn star yeah. in order to satisfy their partners yeah. because, because porn might be their competition or, you yeah. know, other women's bodies might be their competition. When in reality, ladies, that's all in our, that's, that's it's all in your heads. Yeah. You know, those are insecurities. And if you're able to challenge those insecurities, then you're able to go ahead and find pleasure. And in addition to that, you're able to build this stronger connection with your partner and yeah. with yourself, which is the yeah. ultimate goal. Because then yeah. becomes th then you have this increased level of confidence and self-worth. Yeah. And if you can connect your experience of pleasing your partner and seeing them get pleasure from the experience that you are sharing with them, that also gives confidence. It, it's like a positive feedback loop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it sounds like the best educator is the, the best place you're going to find this level of education is through practice. Yeah. Right. And there's no shame in practicing on your partner. Uh, absolutely not. You just Bingo. you can make it a game. I have one of the freebies I currently have on my website at the very bottom of the homepage is, is touch lab. It's a, Oh girl, we need that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a, it's a game. You can make sex into a bit of a, a playful thing, which there's nothing wrong with it being a playful thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cause you're going to learn when you play. Yes. What do kids do yeah. when they play? They learn, right? Yes. And that kind of gets back to the fantasy block, right? So if you're, if you're incorporating play, you learn at the same time. Absolutely. Hey ladies, here's the deal. I've opened up a private VIP membership group. This community is hosted in a private Facebook group where I will do one hour weekly coaching calls. I'll help you create a goal action plan. You'll be provided with worksheets and assigned homework to hold you accountable. In addition, you will have access to me. Have a problem, post it and get feedback. It's a healthy mix of coaching, accountability and support. The VIP ladies have told me it feels like we're all sisters. I can really be myself here. Get access to our VIP membership group only when you join. Go to empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash VIP dash membership. Start pursuing the change you so badly desire. You deserve it. So let me ask another question. Why do you think women fake orgasms? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons why women fake <laughs> orgasms. Um, I, it could be anything from wanting it to be over with quickly, mm -hmm. or um, they want their partner to feel like they're doing something for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, there's just, there's a whole lot of reasons. It's not helping your partner learn how to 
how you feel pleasure if you Bingo. fake it. It's um, just going to ask you, what are the consequences? Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no. So That's unless you're ready to sign thing. up for just... fake orgasms all for the rest of your life, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, I mean, it, it doesn't help them. Yeah. You're not, I don't, I'm trying to think of a, an easy analogy on this. It's, it's not like a parent encouraging a child. That's kind of gross, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, you certainly want to reinforce good behavior. So, you know, don't fake it when it's not there because you're teaching them or you're yeah. not teaching them the right things. Hence the whole reason why you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's, you know, and, and most people don't realize that an orgasm for a, a person who has a vulva, mm-hmm. uh, it's not, they don't always achieve an orgasm through penile penetration or through penetration, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Um, there was a statistic that got passed around quite a bit that it was, you know, like 70% of women don't experience orgasm through penetration. Um, I think the sample study was super small though. So I don't know if we can really make that a, you know, a blanket statement for everyone, but I know that statistic does fly around a lot. It certainly is a lot of women though. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. If you need to apply a vibrator to your clitoris while you Mm -hmm. have intercourse, totally fine. If you need to rub your clitoris while your partner penetrates you, that is also totally fine. You do whatever you need to do to feel pleasure. Yeah. And your partner can learn at the same time what gives you pleasure while they're penetrating you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And this goes back to exploring our bodies. Yeah. What do we Knowing like? what feels good. Like, yes. Yep. And, and I get it. Society, our parents, there are so many people that have said, this is not okay. We Mm -hmm. don't talk about this. We don't do this. And if you do do it, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And I think in so many ways we have um, imprisoned ourselves from being able to go ahead and figure out what our, what our pleasure spots are, or, you know, Mm -hmm. that level of confidence in so many ways we've, we've, we've crippled ourselves from being able to go ahead and and be intimate and explore all of these things because mm-hmm. of those thoughts or because of what we've been told. Yeah. Um, what is the com- What is the most common mistake women make besides faking orgasms? Hmm. Oh, let's see. The biggest mistake women make that I have been hearing recently is assuming that if your partner doesn't want to have sex, they're getting it somewhere else. Oh, yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have yes. heard this uh, more than a few times in the past week. Yes. Um, you know, the the sex drive of all of us, I, we can't just limit it to to one gender. Mm-hmm. Our sex drive is is impacted by a lot of different things. They can be external. They can be internal. They regardless of whether they're external or internal, they affect our interest in sex. So if, and this is a perfect example right now with, with coronavirus and COVID, if you're feeling a lot of stress, you probably aren't really into having sex right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And granted, there are some folks who, you know, are, are using this opportunity to connect more with their partner, but I'm seeing numbers with the Kinsey Institute and some of the studies that are, are happening informally out there. More often than not, though, people are feeling the stress and they're, they're needing less sexual connection and just more just connection, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, cuddling with their partner, not having sex, like the, the idea that we should always want or be ready for sex is, is problematic for a lot of reasons. And, and a lot of them affect, you know, the partner who typically does want sex. And now all of a sudden they don't. So, you know, if your partner currently is not really in the mood, um, you know, get, just get curious and ask them if they're okay. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. they have some, some stuff that's going on with work or stuff that's going on with, you know, just their worries about the state of the world that has nothing to do with their desire for you, but everything to do with just sort of the, the fear about what's happening that can impact whether they want to have sex or not. Absolutely. And I think when that takes place, when women are under the assumption that their partners are seeking it somewhere else, that hits on our insecurities, that hits on our level of confidence. And even if we do want to engage in in sex or intimacy, we shy away from it because all of those insecurities take over. I'm not enough. You know, he's getting it from somewhere else. And so I'm just going to sit here until I see that he, that I'm desired. I see that he yearns for me. And yeah. until I get those clues, I'm just going to sit back here in this corner and just chill. Yeah. And it's, it's a distorted thought. Yeah. It's a complete distorted thought. You know, it's not one that's true. And so, you know, I, I think this is why you're hitting so hard with developing that level of confidence in ourselves mm-hmm. to go out and have these discussions, to ha- to share these moments and to experience this level of intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, I'm not sure where that idea began, um, but it's, it's, I've heard it before, you know, this, this idea that if, if he doesn't want it from me, he's getting it someplace else. Like, Uh, Well, that comes from childhood. I've heard so many people say it, you know, where did that originate? Like, I mean, that's a bigger discussion for later. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's true. I mean, we go into this thing of, you know, I I know I've been, I've been told this, you know, if you're not giving it to your man, then he's going to get it somewhere else. You know, and it's like, oh my God, I don't want that pressure. I don't want that pressure of, I have to have sex with my husband because I'm in fear of him getting it from somewhere else because Yeah. yeah, then that's where fake orgasms come because I'm going to build them up, but I'm going to be resentful the entire time. Right? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. oh my God, that's too much damn work. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Resentment is not a nice bedfellow. <laughs> Hell no. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be able to go ahead and, you know, with, with my husband, we're going to get more into it, but in our next episode with my husband being able to have that level of, of comfort, being able to be vulnerable, I can't ask him for permission. I've, I've noticed in the years we've been married for 20 years and in the years I've noticed that I have had to give myself permission to be open and honest. And if I want something, ask for it, take it, whatever, you know, and obviously with consent, but take it in that I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity 
to go ahead and seize the moment. I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity to go ahead and lean in to my fears and challenge them. And any time that I have, it's been with amazing results, amazing results in that we were able to share this connection. We were able to share this moment. We were able to strengthen our marriage. You know, and there's been nothing but positive things from it. And don't get me wrong. There have been times that, you know, he has said, you know, of course you wait. Of course you wait till the last minute, you know, for you to initiate it. I'm dead tired or whatever. And it's like, okay, those feelings of rejection come up. And he's not rejecting me. His ass has been falling asleep for the last hour. And it was like, (laughs) he looked kind of cute. You know, I um, something you said reminded me of a conversation that I had with a, a single girlfriend recently, a friend of mine who is single. She has been communicating with a guy that she's been talking to for for years, and now they're finally both single at the same time. And so, during coronavirus, they've they've started their conversations again, and and um, he tried to suggest something to her that was the complete opposite of my recommendation to her. (laughs) (laughs) So they had, they had met for like, they ran into each other out somewhere in public and, and they could tell that there was like a little bit of electricity in the air. And I have to say, like, I think there might be a bit of a baby boom after (laughs) after quarantine is lifted because, you know, she said that she never felt this spark with this person before, <laughs> but seeing them out and like not, you know, she lives by herself with her, with her kid. And, and she was just like, Oh my God, it was the, the you could feel it in the air. And mm-hmm. they were texting and he said, let's make a pact not to touch ourselves or not to orgasm until we, until we actually see each other. And I was like, girl, no, <laughs> <laughs> no orgasm. Now all you want, I want you to learn that you for sure are the you know, you can create your own pleasure. You don't need to rely on another person. It's, I mean, it's, it's felt like a kind of form of grooming for him to yeah. say, like, don't do it until we meet. Because you know? <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to, I'm going to go masturbate all I want because, you know, I don't, I don't want to need to wait for mm-hmm. one person to provide it for me or make me think, you know, oxytocin is, is a hell of a drug <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to make you think that, you know, you're here. This is your one and only. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so- you can cut that if you want. <laughs> Sidebar. So ladies, definitely do you, definitely do you. That's what we're going to take from this, from all of this. And yeah. no pun intended. Right. I guess. Right. So, ladies, I'm going to tell you right now. If you loved this episode, then guess what? I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Lene and my husband. My husband's going to be joining us, and I'm going to tell you right now. He's like, really? Okay. Well, let's go. At first, he was like, okay, wait a minute. What am I going to ask? And it's like, there's no limits. Like, let's just go there. So. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to do this because again, couples and sex were, you know, this is, I'm, I'm hearing it so much. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't know what my husband wants. I don't know how to have this conversation with him. And I think having a male on this episode, I think will not only help you, but guess what? Your husband gets to listen as well. Yeah. So it's just this added bonus. 
Yeah. So we're discussing, <laughs> this is a three-part series. We are discussing all the things. And Dr. Linnea, I just have to say, I'm so, so thankful that you're willing to go out and take us all the way through and teach us all the things that we, we so desperately are afraid to ask yeah. and secretly totally want to know. Yeah. Well, I'm your girl. <laughs> I love talking about this topic and I'm, yeah, I just, it's, it is who we are. It's a natural part of who we are. It's just figuring out how to get past that, the, the, the fear and all those other emotions that come up about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you guys get ready because we're about to take it to another level. All right, you guys, until then I'll see you soon. Bye. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now and rate and review. Thank you, guys. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I know you're ready for the next steps. If you want to become empowered and unapologetic, get my free course, Unapologetically Me, over at empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash course. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host, practice of the practice, or the guests are providing legal mental health, or other professional information. If you need a professional, you should find one. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? 
that's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.